0: 115 people have served on the Supreme Court. 110 of them have been men, 112 have been white, and none has ever been a black woman. And with a vacancy coming up on the high court, President Biden promises his nominee will change that. That person will be the first black woman
1: ever nominated to the United States Supreme Court.
0: The White House says this is an effort to remedy decades of a flawed process and to help the Supreme Court look more like America. Almost immediately, some conservatives attacked Biden's promise to consider only black women in choosing a nominee. Take for example, Republican Senator Ted Cruz of Texas, who called Biden's pledge racist. You know, you know black women are what 6% of the US population? <laughs> He's saying to 94 percent of Americans, I don't give a damn about you. You are ineligible. In fact, Cruz said Biden's that vow to nominate a black day, woman he to he he the Supreme court, to the court, court was actually, quote, insulting to African-American women. Then there's this from Republican Senator Roger Wicker on local radio station exactly Supertalk Mississippi. To. The irony is that the Supreme Court is at the very same time hearing cases about black. Uh, about this sort of affirmative racial <laughs> discrimination.
1: <laughs> yes. And, and,
0: and, and, and while adding someone who is the beneficiary of, uh, of this sort of quote. Uh, the pushback the that the has already Supreme erupted uh, against Biden's Supreme Court nominee, specifically the criticism that Biden is valuing identity over qualifications, got us thinking of a story that unfolded more than 50 years ago when the White House announced another path judicial nominee. The president said to me, uh, well, we're going to announce your uh, appointment to the bench today. I said, today? Constance Baker Motley was the first Black woman ever appointed to the federal bench. You hear her there in the documentary, The Trials of Constance Baker Motley. He said, well, we don't have to do it today. I said, oh, no, sorry, right, we'll do it today. I just, nobody told me. We wanted to understand the obstacles that confronted Motley on her path to confirmation in 1966. The perceptions about why she was picked and the critiques her detractors leveled against her. So we talked to her biographer, Harvard University's Tamiko Brown-Nagin.
1: She had vast experience, was an excellent lawyer, clearly qualified for the post. Nevertheless, she did face criticisms that essentially she was not qualified for the position.
0: Consider this. The conversation today about Biden's pick echoes some of the same questions that emerged when the first black woman was nominated for the federal judiciary. Constance Baker Motley's identity and lived experience loomed large in the debate about her fitness to serve. And President Johnson's choice to elevate a black woman while under pressure to send a political message worked for and against her. It's a story that feels familiar today, more than half a century later. From NPR, I'm Elsa Chang. It's Thursday, February 9th.
1: This message comes from NPR sponsor SmartWool. They're committed to sustainability, using natural, responsibly sourced merino wool in their gear and recycled materials in their packaging. Shop SmartWool base layers, socks, and accessories at SmartWool.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor Arctic Wolf committed to ending cyber risk through their cloud native Arctic Wolf platform and 24/7 concierge security solutions. Learn more at arcticwolf.com/npr.
0: It's consider this from NPR. First, let's be totally clear here. Presidents of both parties have made identity a driving factor in their picks for the Supreme Court. <laughs> Ted Cruz, whom we heard from earlier, had no complaints back in 2020 when President Trump said quite plainly that he would choose a woman to fill the vacancy left by Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death.
1: I will be putting forth a nominee next week.
0: It will be a woman. And how about back in 1980 when then-candidate Ronald Reagan promised to name the first female Supreme Court justice in an attempt to track the women's vote?
1: Now, I'm announcing today that one of the first Supreme Court vacancies in my administration will be filled by the most qualified woman I can possibly find.
0: And after selecting Sandra Day O'Connor, Reagan tapped Antonin Scalia for the High Court, in large part because of his Italian background. And then there was President George H.W. Bush. Even though Bush said publicly that race played no role in Clarence Thomas's appointment, his staff told The Washington Post at the time that Bush focused almost exclusively on, quote, minority or female candidates. When Constance Baker Motley was nominated to the federal judiciary, her identity mattered a lot to both critics and supporters, just as it does today with Biden's forthcoming nominee. In 1966, when President Lyndon B. Johnson decided to nominate Motley to the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York, civil rights leaders all over the country praised the choice.
1: And that is exactly what Johnson was going for. Johnson wanted to prove that he was a strong supporter of the civil rights movement. That's
0: Tomiko Brown-Nagin of Harvard University. Her biography of Constance Baker Motley is called Civil Rights Queen. Brown-Nagin says there was a clamor for the Johnson administration to place highly qualified black candidates in top positions. And Motley had sterling credentials. She had been a high-profile civil rights lawyer. She wrote the original complaint in Brown v. Board of Education. She had served in the New York State Senate and was Manhattan Borough President. Johnson vetted Motley thoroughly, and she got rave reviews.
1: All of them said the same thing, that she would be a terrific addition to the bench because of her skills and qualifications. And at the same time, she would be a breakthrough appointment.
0: A breakthrough appointment. And yet, it was Motley's identity as a Black woman and prominent civil rights lawyer that led some Democrats to wonder whether her nomination would be too politically risky.
1: Her race was specifically mentioned as a drawback when President Johnson initially wanted to appoint her to the U.S. Court of Appeals. There were people behind the scenes who suggested that it would look too political to appoint Motley, an NAACP lawyer, black lawyer, to the bench while at the same time appointing Thurgood Marshall as Solicitor General. There were those who assumed that because of her race, sex, or her practice background, she could not, quote, be fair in discrimination cases. And then I will also mention that repeating a a pattern, the ABA rated her merely qualified as opposed to highly qualified. The American Bar
0: Association, right. Yes,
1: the Bar Association claiming that uh, she lacked trial experience in New York, which was remarkable because she had litigated all over the country. Uh, and Including
0: so, being the first black woman to argue in front of the Supreme Court.
1: That's correct. Constance Baker Motley argued and won nine of ten. 10- cases that she argued before the Supreme Court, and those cases were landmark cases across a a number of areas from civil protest to school desegregation to the right to counsel.
0: Meanwhile, the man who would preside over Motley's confirmation hearing was adamantly opposed to the choice of Motley. Senate Judiciary Chair James O. Eastland, a plantation owner from Mississippi, openly defended segregation. He had called Black Americans, quote, an inferior race. And Motley's work as a civil rights lawyer hit close to home for him when she represented James Meredith in his successful effort to desegregate the University of Mississippi.
1: When she was litigating those cases, of course, she was upsetting the status quo. And there were those, including Senator James Eastland, who was the chair of the Judiciary Committee, who... We're not going to let the black woman who had essentially killed Jim Crow at his alma mater, Ole Miss, just slide to confirmation that wasn't going to happen.
0: And so, Brown-Nagin says, he leaned on a strategy he had used before against other nominees. He accused Motley of
1: being a communist. It's uncontroversial to say that his motives were related to race and to Motley's career as a civil rights lawyer. It was a pretext that he used on many occasions to besmirch people who were involved in the civil rights movement.
0: The smear campaign didn't work. After a seven-month delay, Constance Baker Motley was finally confirmed on August 30th, 1966. And she became not only the first black woman appointed to the federal judiciary, but also the first woman appointed to any federal district court in New York City. I wanted to understand how Motley thought about that identity when it came to her role on the bench. and I want to talk about what judicial diversity meant to Motley, because what's interesting that I learned in your book is that she disagreed with this idea that women brought an important perspective to the bench simply by virtue of the fact that they
1: were women. Why was that? Motley supported the appointment of women and people of color to the federal judiciary. She championed it, not necessarily because these individuals would rule differently than a white man. Rather, she pointed out that these appointments would strengthen American institutions. They would show that uh, the equal opportunity uh, existed in America. And of course, this is a principle for which she had fought for so many years. So
0: do you think if she were asked whether being a black individual brought an important insight? to the bench, how do you think she would have responded?
1: Hmm. I'm certain that Motley would say she had a set of experiences and a background that was relevant to her perspective on the world, and yet she specifically rejected in a case, a famous case, Blank versus Sullivan and Cromwell, where the attorney for uh, the defendant law firm argued for Motley to remove herself from the case based on her practice background uh, that she Which would not do amazing. so she she rejected <laughs> that argument turning it on its head saying that if background or experience alone were bases for the removal of judges from cases, then no judge on the court could hear the case in question, which was a sex discrimination case. In other words, she is making the argument that all people, all of us, including uh, white men, have a race and a gender and background and experiences, and those should not be per se disqualifying
0: In other words, your identity is not inherently judicial bias.
1: Exactly. Well, I want to now fast
0: forward to today and the conversations that we are hearing while anticipating President Biden's forthcoming announcement on who he will nominate to the Supreme Court. Do you see, as a historian, a legal historian, do you see any parallels between criticisms against Motley's nomination back in 1966 and criticisms we're hearing today against President Biden's decision to name a black woman to the Supreme Court.
1: I do think that Biden's commitment to a large extent reflects ordinary politics. Uh, A number of presidents uh, have leveraged Supreme Court nominations in ways that appeal to interest groups. And so uh, to the extent that people are arguing that this is unusual, that is not true. Now, I've also heard some comments that um, sound like uh, the the qualification argument that right. was made uh, broadly against uh, Constance Baker Motley. Uh, and so, yes, we hear what I would call racial scripts that are familiar uh, in our deeply divided political environment. Uh, But ultimately, I think that this nominee will be confirmed by virtue of simple math. And some Republicans have said that they would be delighted to uh, support a qualified African American woman nominee. But first, she has to run the gauntlet.
0: Do you feel it was ultimately a good idea for President Biden to publicly announce that he would pick a black woman as the new Supreme Court Justice to make such an explicit promise.
1: There are women on that shortlist whom I I know, they're in my professional and social networks, and I care about them. And I can imagine that some of these uh, women will have been defined by their race and gender in ways that were unfavorable uh, at some point in their lives. And at this moment, I would like to emphasize their achievements. And uh, for those who find it difficult to appreciate that one can both have an identity and be uh, eminently qualified, then to that extent, uh, perhaps it wasn't a good idea. Uh, But as I said, Elsa, this uh, move by Biden mostly reflects ordinary politics.
0: That's Tamiko Brown-Nagin, Dean of Harvard Radcliffe Institute. She is the author of Civil Rights Queen, Constance Baker Motley, and the Struggle for Equality. It's Consider This from NPR. I'm Elsa Chang.